chapter 2, a great Christmas passage, and um, we're going to be reading from verse 4. And if you've got this memorized, then good for you. If not, it's on our, our uh, Bible app. also has a, a Bible on there, and all the notes to the message are on our Bible app. If you're joining us online, we want to welcome you as well. Uh, Merry Christmas. I don't say happy holidays. I say Merry Christmas. Yeah. If that offends you, get over it. Sorry. It's been Merry Christmas all of my lifetime. Has it been a Merry Christmas all of your lifetime? Always will be. There you go. Luke chapter 2. And Joseph also went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth in Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for, for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them at the inn. It's what I'm sharing this morning. No place at the inn. No one had room for him. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. There's angels all over the sky. People are terrified and they say, fear not. For, I, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for you and all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. What a wonderful passage. Lord, I pray that as we, as we uh, look at your son this morning, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and that we would make room in our lives for him. That we would not be like the innkeeper and say, go out the back to the stable, but we would make room in our lives for you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Christmas is a time when we stop and remember the greatest gift ever given to mankind. The gift of a baby who grew, as I said, to become a man who laid his life down for every single one of us and died in our place. So today I'm going to ask you, uh, to, to ask the same question that Pilate would later ask in Matthew 27, 22. Pilate said to them, uh, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? Because Jesus has done what he's done. He came and he became, uh, he became a baby. He grew to be a man. He laid his life down for you and me. He rose again and went to heaven. The only question is, what are you going to do with him? As Pilate said, what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? Jesus came that first Christmas on a search and rescue mission for mankind. So I want to have briefly have a look at who Jesus was, what, what he was doing here, and then how are you going to respond? Because it's easy to say, oh yeah, that's Christmas, I'll just push that to one side. But the whole question is, what are you going to do about it? So the first thing about Jesus is he became the Word. If you've, if you've got your Bible, look at John chapter 1. It's incredible. The first few verses of John are amazing. And they really lay it out. Listen to this. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. Um, John is using the word Word to interchange for Jesus here. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So the, the, the Son of God, to quote the Nicene Creed, the, is very God. If 
you remember the Nicene Creed, calls Jesus very God. He arrived on this earth as a man. And think about it. He came to to the mountains that he created. He faced the rivers with their rushing currents, rivers that he put in place. He, he, he crossed the valleys. He gazed upon the sea. He walked beneath the skies and the stars and the moon, all of which he had created. But the tragedy is his own people didn't recognize him. In, one, in John chapter 1, verse 10, it says, He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. You see, the, this world doesn't recognize the one who's created it. His own people failed to recognize their maker. And what's more, they chose to reject him and persecute him. See, Jesus, they said, well, Jesus, who is that? Isn't he some baby? In a, isn't he a swear word? We would say in our, in our context, people think Jesus is a swear word. He's a word. He's the word of God. He's not a swear word. He's the revealed word of God. So that's the first thing. The second thing is Jesus became a creator, but he got ignored. Today at Christmas, I want you to get this. Jesus is God. He's not a created being. He is the creator. In Colossians 1 verse 16, it says this. Listen to this. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. All things were created through him, and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's pretty comprehensive. And this is this Jesus that came as a baby is the same Jesus who created all of this stuff. The mountains emerged as a result of his power. The lakes filled the landscape as a result of his work. The universe that he had created and filled with stars followed and believed him and obeyed him. If you remember, in the book of Mark, uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 39, the disciples were out on the ocean, and he spoke a word, and the whole sea stopped. The tempest in the sea stopped, just like that. It says in verse 39 of Mark 4, He awoke and rebuked the wind and sea and said, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And he said to the disciples, Why are you so afraid? Have you no little faith? And they were filled with fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? You know why the wind and the seas obey him? Because he's their master. He created them. And with one word, he can control them. So the same Jesus that said to the sea, be still, and they were still, said to the wind, stop, and it stopped. Nature obeys its master. But his own people did not believe or obey or follow him. You know, Jesus came to save mankind. But what did his own people, the Jews, say? They said, now hang on, wait, hang on, wait, wait a minute. Who do you think you are, Jesus? You haven't been to one of our rabbinical schools. You don't have a degree. Uh, You don't wash the way we've taught everyone to wash. You don't go through the same rituals we do. And what's worse, you heal people on the Sabbath. How dare you? Yeah, but they're healed. Yeah, but it was the Sabbath. You see, they had a bunch of rules. They called him a heretic and they decided to kill him. And 2,000 years later, folks, people haven't changed. They look at the beauty of this creation. I talk to people all the time. They say this. They look at the beauty of creation, but they refuse to acknowledge the creation had a creator. People talk about the universe. Do people do that to you? I'm just putting it out there. It's if the universe will do this for me. Why bother asking the universe when you can ask the creator of the universe? 
Why say the universe make me this? That's that, that floating around out there is the universe. But my God created the universe. He's not a random powerless thing that we need to, to manipulate and change. You know, I, I think that if you look at a watch, you know, who's got a watch on their wrist? Hold it up. Yeah, look at that. You're like a bunch of Pentecostals with your hands in the air. Look. But if you look at a watch, your obvious assumption is that somebody made that. It didn't just randomly happen. People didn't just go in and, 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 and find a bunch of chemicals or a, a few springs and stuff, throw them in the air and bang, oh, here's a watch. Someone designed it. Someone figured it out. Someone created it. And that's like, you know, random pieces don't fall together into precision timepieces. They just don't. Behind every watch is a watchmaker, and behind creation is a creator, and Jesus is that creator. But people miss him in all the other stuff. Can you imagine? I, I heard this illustration. I really liked it. I don't know if you've been to Disneyland. Who's been to Disneyland? A few of us. You need to go at least once in your life because it's, you know, it is. It's fun. I really, I thought it was really cool. But can you imagine? I'm basically a child. What can I say? Can you imagine? On the day Disneyland opened in 1955, people going there and nobody acknowledging Walt Disney and acknowledging the fact that everything in this park came from his imagination and creativity. Imagine them walking around Disneyland, walking past uh, Walt Disney and saying, don't care about you, you're not important, and saying, oh, look, Disneyland just happened randomly. It just evolved. Of course it didn't evolve. Somebody figured this out. Walt Disney was a brilliant man incredibly creative and he was the guy behind the genius behind what is Disneyland it didn't just evolve it it was created so the world refused to recognize the one who created it who was this Jesus and the third thing is that Jesus became the God man on a mission we all know the Christmas story the creator comes to the planet as a baby there was no room at the inn for the one who created the rocks from which that inn was made there was no welcome mat for the Christ. The innkeeper was too busy making money in his business. He didn't have... you imagine like a nine-month-old woman getting ready to... I mean, this is our Lily House connection here. Nine-month-old woman getting ready to give birth. And we say, well, we can't offer you a room. You can go back to the smelly stable if you like. I mean, these guys were full of compassion. Can you imagine that? And here's Mary standing here, nine months pregnant birth pains are on her she's just about to give birth she's waving a medicare card around and saying i've got a medicare card can you do better than the stable there was no room at the inn the innkeeper didn't have room for a woman i, I would have made room but he didn't business was too important now one day his family confessions here one, one Christmas, I took the family to Malaysia to visit Tara when she was a missionary up there. And I thought, we'll just go up there. I'll book a really cheap place. We'll just go up for a few days. It'll be great. Anyway, I booked a cheap place. It was cheap. It was, it was like a, a um, what they call it, B&B? Yeah, someone hired out their, their, their apartment, I think. Airbnb was like that. Anyway, we arrived. We took a taxi out to this place where we were staying. And, and we got further and further away from the city and into the quite dangerous suburbs. And we thought this is, and there was nothing out there, apartment blocks, and that's about it. And, uh, and when we got out there, we arrived 
in a, in a forsaken part of town to a unit that was in a dangerous area, miles from everything, no air con, it, it didn't work, broken taps, it was a dump. So my family said, no good, we need better than this. So we all, uh, we, couldn't ha- we couldn't hail a taxi for a while. Eventually we got a taxi. We went back into the city and we, we started looking around for a hotel. Christmas Eve, we started looking for a hotel about nine o'clock at night. Um, it didn't go so well. There was no room at any of the inns for us. Um, it was a terrible feeling. And eventually, in the end, I paid three times as much for one night as I paid for the whole trip at the other place because it was the only room available and because I had one daughter sitting in the gutter crying, there's no room at the end, Dad. <laughs> so I know the feeling of going to... You guys are laughing. It wasn't that funny at the time. <laughs> it, was, it was very not funny, okay? Um, but, but I know the feeling of going there and there's no place to lay your head. There's nothing you can do and there's no room at the inn. But isn't it remarkable that the one who is co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent with the Father and the Spirit, the one who divinely decreed the events that would run their course on this earth in perfect timing with his profound plan could come to earth as a baby to save people on a mission to save them only to find there was no room at the inn. This same baby, baby will grow up to be beaten and spat upon as a man, have spikes driven through his hands and feet and hung on a cross and cursed until he died. And even after he was raised from the dead, he was still denied, rejected and refused. And some 20 centuries later, Jesus came to earth as a God-man on a mission and we still, we still have no room at the inn for him because we're too busy doing our stuff. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's why he came. He didn't come to start Christmas. He didn't come to have a good time. He came to seek and save the lost. If you don't have Jesus Christ, you are going to hell. And he came to pay the price to save you. So what about you? Do you understand what it means that the God who made everything reduced himself to take on skin and subjected himself to the very gravity that he put into effect and bound himself to the limits of time and space. Why? For you. You see, years later when he hung on a cross, nails didn't hold him to the cross. His love for you held him to the cross. Because if he'd have come down and avoided death, we wouldn't be saved. He came on a mission to save us. He knew what it what it what it took and what it involved. But from vanishing point in the past to vanishing point in the future, Jesus Christ remains in his natures, the very attributes of God. But Christ, in order that human beings might be able to see what God is like in a tangible form, he became human for us. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas time. So Jesus became flesh for us. In John 1.14 it says this, And the word, Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Why did he do it? Like it's a crazy plan. We wouldn't have figured out this plan. But this is God's plan of salvation for the world. And Jesus was the one who did it. Uh, Radio commentator Paul Harvey told the story. And this is a beautiful story to illustrate this. It's about a farmer who was a religious skeptic. And one freezing cold night over in America where the snow was on the ground, the farmer heard thumping sounds at his window. 
And he went to the window and he looked out and he saw a small group of sparrows beating themselves against the glass, trying to get in to the warmth, attracted by the warmth. So touched by this, the farmer decided to help. So he rugged up nice and warm, braved the freezing temperatures. He went outside and opened the barn for the struggling birds. He turned the lights on. He tossed some hay in a corner. He uh, sprinkled some crackers nearby to lure them in. And, and it, a perfect place for them to see out this horrible winter's day or winter's night. But the sparrows hid in the freezing darkness because they were afraid of him. He tried circling behind the birds and sort of driving them towards the barn. Nothing worked. And finally, he retreated to his house to see if they'd just eventually go in there by themselves. But nothing worked. The farmer, to them, was a huge alien creature, and they were terrified of him. The birds couldn't understand that he actually wanted to help them. But they were terrified of him. And as he continued to watch the doomed sparrows, a thought hit him. He thought, if only I could become a bird, a a sparrow, one of them, for just a moment, I wouldn't frighten them. I'd I'd be able to lead them in to safety. But at the same moment, another thought dawned on the uh, the farmer. He grasped the concept of the incarnation. You see, God is God. He created everything. He is awesome and huge and amazing and way beyond our comprehension. How could one who spoke and stars and galaxies sprang into being possibly connect with sinful, you know, small, little people like us? I mean, people who are so intellectually full of themselves, they think electric cars will save the world. That's what we think. If God became one of us, surely we would listen to him. So that's what he did. In Philippians 2, one of my most favorite passages about Jesus. Philippians 2 verse 5. Listen, I love this. Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, in the nature, the very nature of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being made in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The God of all creation humbled himself. We celebrated at Christmas time, became a child with a mission to go to the cross. Do you ever wonder what God's like? Well, if you do, study Christ. Do you ever wonder how God could be a God of grace, both at the same time gentle, yet with justice and purity? Have a look at Jesus. He shares the Father's divine nature and he explains, explains it and models it in perfect terms so that we can understand God. By looking at Jesus, we understand who God is because he is so perfect. The world didn't recognize the one who created it. The question is, do we? Do you this morning, do you this Christmas time have room at your inn for Jesus? That's my question. Is there room at the inn? In Bethlehem, the local establishment had no room at the inn for Jesus. Now, most of us here will call ourselves Christians. Maybe you don't. But all of us here are wrapped up in the hustle and bustle of of the Christmas season. So let me ask you again. Do you have room at the inn of your heart for Jesus? Are you going to stick him in a stable out the back and say, she'll be right, mate? Or are you going to welcome him into your heart? That's the question. Is there room at the inn for for Jesus this Christmas for you? Now, you can say whatever you like. You can mouth whatever you like. But what do your actions say? Do you make time for him? Do you truly honor him and live for him? Do you have room at the end of your heart for Jesus the Savior, Jesus the Lord? 
To make room in, for Jesus in the end of your heart, you might have to move a few things. I don't know what, what your place is like, but sometimes you've got to move stuff to make room for stuff. Is that right? I don't really adhere to this because I have a cupboard where I keep buying T-shirts and shirts and stuff, but I don't throw the old ones away and just gets more and more jam-packed, right? But you need, to, you need to make some room for him if you're going to invite him in. You might have to lay aside your pride. You might have to humbly decide to ask him inside, to give him room at your inn. See, pride in yourself, your abilities, your knowledge, your own efforts, it fills everything. And if it fills everything, you have no room for the Savior at the end. But when we lay our pride aside, miracles happen. And you can find room for Jesus in the inn of your heart if you lay your pride aside. If we say we have room at the inn for Jesus, I think we should prove it, don't you? It's easy to say it. It's easy to go crook at the innkeeper. Hey, listen, mate, you should have let Jesus in. But we we can criticize all we like. The fact is, 2,000 years later, we do the same thing. We don't make room for him in our lives. So if you're not a Christian, if if you're, you're maybe new to all this stuff and you're not sure what's going on, let me ask you a question because I believe God is speaking to us this, this morning, this Christmas morning. And you've got to understand, we ask questions and he did this because he loves you, not because he wants to hurt you or cramp your style or rain on your parade. He does this because he loves you. But my question to you is, if you were to die tonight, where would you go? Would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? The Bible says it's one or the other. Which one? The Bible tells us that we've all sinned. We have all rejected this Jesus. And if we die without him, we die in our sins and we go to hell. We die, we face an eternity separated from Jesus in hell. I was meeting with someone this week and that very question was asked, can we do, what can we do? Can we do enough to be saved? And the answer is no. Because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And I gave the illustration, you might have heard me use it before, but who wants a free trip to New Zealand? Yay! Good, come down to Malula Bar and start swimming. And some of you will get, you know, some of you will get 20 yards. Some of you might make it a kilometre or two. Maybe there's an Olympic swimmer here, might make it 10 kilometres or 20. But no one is making it to New Zealand. It's way too far. And that's what it's like when we try and let our good works try and save us. They might be good, they might be nice, but they're not enough because we're still sinners. But Christ came in and says, all you have to do is believe in me and I'll fly you to New Zealand. Believe in me. You don't have to do all these works. Just believe in me. Give your heart to me and you will be saved. Listen, if we have no room in our heart at the inn, for Christ now, when we die, it will be too late. You can't say, well, I'm just going to die and then I'll make room for Jesus. Too late. We've got to do it now. Once you die, it's too late. Where we spend eternity depends on whether we have room in the in of our hearts for Jesus or not. So what about you? Do you have room in, in, in your heart for him? And if you don't, why don't you clear some stuff out and make room for him? Because he wants you to spend eternity with him. He wants you to spend eternity in heaven with the rest of us. We want that. 
But it all comes down to, are you willing? Do you have place in your heart? Do you have room at the end of your heart? Now, if you're a Christian, I also want to challenge you directly this morning. Do you have room in the end of your heart for Jesus? Now, we say we believe, but very often we're too busy to truly get to know Jesus. Am I right? Yeah. If you say you love Jesus, prove it. If you cannot find time to get to know him, then you, you essentially have no room in your heart. You might be a Christian, but you've got no room in your heart for him. Why don't you make room for him? Listen, do you have time for Facebook? Do you have time to watch sport on TV? Do you have time to go to the beach or meet with friends or, but have no time for a quiet time with the Lord? That's not making room in your heart for him. And I want to challenge you who are believers. I'm going to ask you to join me because we have a Bible reading plan and I'm going to ask you to join with me in unity and do this Bible reading plan with us. We cover most of the Bible, the important bits of the Bible, only reading two chapters a day. It'll probably take you between four and, and, and seven minutes maximum. You can do it anywhere. You can do it on a bus. You can do it on a train. If you're really pressed for time, do it on the loo. What else are you doing on the loo? You're sitting there. He can stand the smell if you can. Spend time with him, trust me. I don't care where you do it. It's the only place that you sort of, you know, truly zone out, isn't it? Anyway, but I want to invite you to do that, guys, because I think if we make room in our hearts for Jesus as believers, as a church, if we do this Bible reading plan together, I believe that in unity we're going to start to really see, see the forces of evil push back in the next year. Do I hear an amen to that? So in a moment we're going to hand those out because I really want you to join me. I'm, not, I'm doing it myself. Now, one of the things that we, we had, um, the Bible reading plan that I designed, we've tweaked it a little bit this year, um, but it's two chapters a day. And we cover you know, most of the Bible. And some of you are saying, yeah, but I want to read all the Bible. Good for you, because I've also given an extra page, which is a supplement. It's one more chapter a day. But if you do the three chapters a day, you'll read the entire Bible in one year. So there's no excuse. Okay, the extra one is mainly the prophetic books, a little bit of Leviticus. So if you love skin diseases and stuff, you'll love the extra bit. If you love prophecies for Edom and Moab, you'll love the extra bit. But at least do the Bible reading plan with us, please. Because together, if we do it together, God will start to speak to us together. Time and time again, it will be incredible. Uh, you know, we've been doing this for a few years. I haven't really promoted it as much uh, in previous years. But my, my board uh, tend to do this. And very often we come to board meetings and we sit down and something from the, that morning's passage has jumped out at, at one or all of us. I tell you, this thing is incredibly powerful. C.S. Lewis said that inside every person is a God-shaped hole, a hole that only God can fill. So how can you fill that hole in the, in, and make 2024 the greatest year you've ever experienced in God? You fill it with the Word of God. Do I hear an amen? So, right on cue, look at that. We're going to start a chorus of rain in me. Rain in me. Would you bow your heads just as we're handing these things out? Because some of you here don't know Jesus and I don't want to let you go 
without giving you the chance to ask him in? Is there room at the end for you today? So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Everybody just bow your heads, close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you this question. Is there room at the inn for Jesus in your life? If there's not, if you, are, if you were to die tonight and you're not sure where you go, you're not sure you're going to heaven, then today, Christmas Eve 2023, is the day you need to make sure to be absolutely positive, to be totally convinced that you will go to heaven when you die because Jesus lives in your heart. Let me give you the opportunity. Pray this prayer with me. Pray this prayer and let's together ask the Lord into your life. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I know that I've sinned. But right now I turn away from my sin to you. And I make room in my heart to invite you in. Lord, come into my life as my Lord and my Savior. And thank you for making me part of your family. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, I'm just going to get you to shoot your hand up very quickly where you are and put it down. If that's you, just shoot your hand up quickly and put it down. Now for the rest of us, we're going to finish with a song. But you've had this this little sheet handed out here. And I'm going to ask you to join with us and do it. It starts on January the 1st. So you've got a week to prepare. If you want to do a bit of background reading, you can read the entire Bible by next week, if you're keen. But honestly, I believe that if we join together as a church body and we all of us read the Word of God together, there's going to be incredible power. Remember the Tower of Babel? God came and destroyed it because he said if they join together, there is nothing that is impossible for them. Because in unity, there is this incredible anointing, this incredible ability to do stuff. So I want you to to just take a few moments. In fact, as we're finishing handing it out, just bow your heads for a minute for me. And I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm going to ask you to join me. And it goes like this, Lord Jesus, I promise I will read your word every day and will follow the Bible reading plan in Jesus' name.